chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. This is what it says. So Jesus spoke again. I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came so that they could have life, indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to say a thank you to the family choir for leading us in worship today. Thank you so much for everybody who's been a part. And I hope you hear the invitation to be a part of the choir here at Chambly Methodist uh, as extended to you by their voices. And so I'm sure Alan Barbie, our minister of music, would welcome anyone who's interested in being a part of the choir. Maybe that's something new for you for 2020. You want to be part of the church choir. Getting some amens up there. There we go. Now I know how to get an amen out of the choir. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right. Well, here we are. 2020 is upon us. 2019 is behind us. I've had some conversations with people who are saying goodbye to 2019. Others who are saying good riddance to 2019. Either way, looking ahead to 2020. And I'd like to invite and offer you and us together that we would start 2020 well. And in fact, in light of the scripture that we just read and the words of Jesus, that we would receive the gift of wellness for us, for the new year. In fact, I would offer that what Jesus said in those verses we just read is that our sense of well-being and living life, healthy, whole, and well, is why Jesus came in the first place. It's what Christmas is for. It's what we celebrate when we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Is we celebrate the arrival of the gift of wellness from God. And to put those verses that we just read in some greater context, it would be helpful to go back and read John chapter 9, and then the first part of John 10 as well. So if you're looking for something this week to read uh, out of the Bible, something that would be good for you, for your faith, for your spirit, I want to offer you, encourage you to read John chapters 9 and 10 fascinating story in chapter 9 about Jesus healing someone and then in the midst of that healing and as a result of that healing all the consternation that gets stirred up and the questions that come up around him by people and from people particularly even the religious people about who gave you the authority to heal him and did you do that the right way and whose fault is it that he needed to be healed anyway And off the heels of that healing and those questions and conversations, Jesus starts to talk with them about who he is. There's a lot of places in the Gospel of John where Jesus says something about himself by saying, I am, and then fill in the blank. He said things like, I am 
the bread of life. I am the light. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the vine. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. Over and over and over again, we read Jesus making these kinds of statements. And they're particularly powerful because in the Old Testament, that is how God identified God's self to the people. God said, I am the I am. And over and over again, Jesus pulls forward that identity of who God is wrapped up in him. And then puts with it these images, these metaphors to help us understand more about who Jesus is. And in this particular set of verses, Jesus says, I am the gate. And I'll be honest, like some of those other things, I am the water, I'm the bread of life, I'm the vine, I'm the good shepherd. Like, I don't know, I just follow that, I get it, it it sounds wonderful. When he says, I am the gate. This sounds a little bit more, I don't know, pedestrian or just dull. Like, where's where's the grandeur in a gate? (laughs) Oh, but he's telling us something about himself and about us and about life and living it. When he says, I am the gate. Think about a gate. Some translations say a door. I'm the door, but the gate. Think about the gate because he's talking about the sheep and the sheep pen and the sheep coming into the pen. Think about a gate and just its function. It is sort of a functional kind of thing. And what's its purpose, its intention? Is it to divide and separate? Is it to contain and close in? Or is the function of a gate to swing open and to give passage to be an entryway. When Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep, he's saying, I am the way. I am the access for all to have life and to live it, to have the experience, he says, of the coming in and going out for the sheep to find pasture because I mean if a gate isn't going to be open I mean that's a wall but rather what Jesus says about the kingdom of God and about living life well is he identifies himself as the gate as the way as the means as the passage for those who would know him And follow him and enter in through him and have their coming and going and the living of their days in him. He says, those who would enter by me will have salvation. Will be saved. And many times in the scriptures that word in Greek, sozo, is translated as saved or rescued or delivered or protected. If you remember back in the fall when Diana Butler Bass was here and preached about healing, she named the fact that that Greek word sozo, not only does it mean protected or rescued, but it, it also means healed, given health, made whole. Given life. And so Jesus is saying, I am the gate. Those who come in and go out by me, with me, by my way, will 
be saved, will have life, will have health, will be made whole, will live life to its fullest. We'll find the pasture, the good pasture. Which, by the way, the pasture is not in the pen. So we have to know Jesus is saying about himself that he's not something or someone that shuts us closed and separates us out and separates others from us and divides, but he's the gate that swings open wide for all the sheep to know sozo, to know life, to be able to come in and go out. It's not so much about a destination, about arriving somewhere at some point. It's about our living of our days. Jesus says, I am the way that you come in and go out through the gate, that you live life and experience it to the fullest, that you find the pasture. What is the pasture to sheep? It's life. It's nourishment. It's refreshment. Fresh water. Fresh air. It's a place to run and stretch your legs and live your days and find relationships and experience all that God's creation has to offer. Life. Jesus is saying that God's design and intention for us is not that somehow, some way, we're shut off and closed in, separated and defended and guarded, but rather that God provides not only for us safety and protection, but also health and healing and wellness so that we can live life to the fullest. Jesus said, that's why I came, so that you could have life. Now he does it by juxtaposing himself and his purpose and his role with that of the thief or the outlaw. In verse 10, when he says, I came that you could have life, he starts by saying the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. And again, if you go back and read chapter 9 and on through 10, through these verses, you see he talks a few times about the thief, the outlaw. Some translations say the bandit. And, and he talks about the people who had come before him. And, and he really is sort of taking a dig here at, at some of the religious leaders that are around him questioning the healing that they had just witnessed, that this man was given back wholeness and life. And their response to it is to ask a bunch of doubting questions and challenging his authority and And so he says, you know what? There have been those who came before me and their way was to steal, kill, and destroy. Their way was to challenge, to bring down, to tear down. But that's not why I came. That's not how I function, Jesus said. That's not what I'm about. That's not how we're going to approach life together. We're not going to be motivated that way. I know that condemning and criticizing and complaining is a sport for some people. I mean, right? And and, and some folks are (laughs) Olympic-level athletes at it. And I admit... Every once in a while, I like to lace up my shoes and give it a go. 
But what Jesus is saying is, that's not the way we're going to do faith. That's not the way we're going to do life. And he's leading people out of a way of understanding their religion and their faith that was based on that. And I think somewhere in there is rooted the notion that that's who God is. That God is sitting up on high, condemning, criticizing, blaming, judgment, fault, shame, always pointing that down, pouring that down, pushing that down on us. And that kind of understanding of God and that kind of theology then just sort of takes hold in our lives. And that's the way we approach life is to criticize and complain and condemn based on fear and shame and guilt. Jesus said, that's not my way. I had a conversation with somebody this week in this church. And he said to me, you know, my biggest struggle is forgiving myself. Because I know what I've done, where I've been. I know what I struggle with and what I deal with. And the hardest thing for me to do is forgive myself. Now, fortunately or providentially, I was preparing for this message this week. And I said, you know what? Jesus' words for us in John chapter 10 are, that's not how we're going to live this life. That's not the life that I've opened up the way for you to live and experience. Not to be motivated by fear or guilt or shame, but rather to be healed, to be made whole, to have life. When Jesus talks about the sheep and, and being the gate, and there's another place right in there where he calls himself a shepherd, and, and I think about the way that the shepherds led the sheep and, and back then and in that part of the world, I think it's a little bit different than at least, you know, what I'm accustomed to with all of my vast knowledge of shepherding today. But, <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's two ways to do it. And, and what's true of the shepherds in that day is they led the sheep from out front and often had names for their sheep. And the sheep could recognize the voice of their shepherd. And so the shepherd would go and the sheep would come with and the shepherd would take them along somewhere where they needed to be, as opposed to, I guess, a, a kind of a way of thinking of leading livestock or shepherding where you're behind and you're driving them, pushing them, prodding them, sort of forcing them into something. And I envision that with Jesus, what he's saying is my way is more calling, inviting, leading you, bringing you with me to where God would have us to be versus behind you, trying to force you and scare you to get there. Jesus said, the thief came to kill, steal, destroy, but I came so that you could have life, full, whole, real, abundant life to its fullest so that you could be well. William Tyndall, who's a Bible translator from way back, he picked up on that, the meaning of the word salvation as health. And he also identified sin as hiding, such that it makes you think that is, if salvation is health and sin is hiding, then salvation as deliverance from sin 
would mean that health is to come out of hiding. To be well is to be known and to be seen and to be loved. Think about our origin story in the Bible in Genesis with Adam and Eve. It says that when they gave in to the temptation of sin, what did they do? They hid. And then what did God do? God went into the garden, calling their name, seeking them, and found them, and brought them out of hiding. Leonard Sweet says the Bible's just one long story of hide and seek. And maybe all of history is. All of living. That's one of my favorite games, by the way, hide and seek. Have you ever participated in this game? I've, I love playing it with all my children. We've, I mean, countless hours we've spent playing hide and seek. They don't like to play it with me anymore. I don't think they've outgrown that, I guess. <laughs> I bring it up and they just roll their eyes. But, um, but oh man, it's a lot of fun. And, and I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> Top shelf hider, like I, you know, I knew all the places and come up with them. Um, I could hide so well they couldn't find me. You know, I'm just saying. Um, but I really, especially enjoyed playing it with my kids when they were little, real little, like young. You know, just enough to get the concept. And you know, at that age, and, and no offense to anyone who's in that demographic, but uh, your hiding skills are kind of, you know, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just put this pillow right here and they can't see me. Um, so when I would play with my kids when they were real little, I would like to drag it out a little bit. You know, instead of going right to them, I'd sort of make it last. Are you with me on the hide and seek? Like, I, oh, are you in this cup? No, you're not in this cup. Oh, are you behind this painting? No, you're not behind this painting. You know, and just... But it wasn't uncommon, though, that as I would drag the game out and they would be hidden and, and I'm sort of pretending to look for them, it wasn't uncommon that I think they would just have enough of it and they'd just pop out, Here I am! Have you had that experience with kids? They just can't, they can't, they can't hang in there for that long. Like after being hidden from me for so long, for too long, when they just had enough of it, being in the dark or being separated, they just couldn't help it but to come out of hiding and say, here I am. And I think there's so much of being well and healthy and living life to its fullest, the way God created us to live it, that can be found in just coming out of hiding and being willing to be known and seen and loved by God, the God who created you, sustains you, and gives you the gift of life. And we hide in all kinds of ways. We hide from God. We hide from each other. We hide from ourselves. And some of us are really good at it. Maybe today, maybe 2020, is a time, an opportunity to come out of hiding and be known, and be seen, and be loved.
So for the next few Sundays in here, all the messages are going to be related to what it means to be healed, to be healthy, to be well, to be whole. Next Sunday, Reverend Lindsay Geist, who's a friend of mine and Pastor Stacy's uh, Methodist minister, she's got a counseling practice. She's going to come and her message will be around what that looks like personally. Wellness. Being whole. And then the next week, Pastor Stacy's going to have a message for us about what that looks like relationally. To be well. To be whole. And then I'll finish it up with a message about what that looks like communally. To be whole. And I don't know if you've seen any of the news that hit about the United Methodist Church over the weekend. Which the, the articles in those publications are just wrong in some places. But it, it does touch on something that's really pulling at the fabric of who we are as a denomination. So maybe it's timely that we would consider what it looks like to be healthy and whole together as a community. So I hope you'll make plans to be back here for the next few Sundays. And I wonder if you know somebody who might could benefit from hearing a good word and some encouragement and some tools for being healthy, for being well, for being whole. I wonder if you know somebody that maybe you want to invite to come and be here with you over the next few Sundays and receive that so that we can all start 2020 well. In just a minute, we're going to sing our closing hymn, We Three Kings. And as we think about that, what that story tells, as the Magi came to Christ, bringing all they had, bringing all of themselves, I would invite you to consider, is there somewhere in your life that you're praying for health, for healing, for wholeness, to be well. Is there somewhere that maybe you're hiding, afraid to be known? Maybe shame, guilt have been weighing on you. And you've heard the words of Jesus today that he came to give you life, to set you free, to make you whole, so that you can live life to the fullest. As we sing this hymn, I would invite you to give space and time for that in your own heart and mind with God and see what God will do. And if you're looking for a place for a community of people who are trying to do this together, I want to offer you Shambly Methodist. I mean, we're a heck of a bunch in all the ways. But we're a heck of a bunch. together responding to God's invitation through Jesus for life. If you'd like to know more about what it means to be a part of this congregation, to be a member, to be involved, Pastor Stacy and I'd be happy to have that conversation with you after worship, or you can contact us in the office. I'm just saying, as we sing this last hymn, whatever it is, would you give God space there? Will you stand and we'll sing hymn number 251, We Three Kings.